everybody. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman. Today, we're talking about consciousness, specifically in business. And I have with me Lori Cameron. Lori Cameron is a leadership consultant, an executive coach and speaker, and she focuses on cultivating conscious leaders. Conscious leaders would be mindful, present, and driven by a higher purpose. Right, Lori? That's right. (laughs) They lead lives and companies that are committed to creating meaningful value for all the stakeholders. Lori (laughs) works with senior executives, leadership teams, entrepreneurs, individual leaders. She has deep experience in mindful leadership and culture. And beginning in 1992, she started her career at Accenture, right? Mm -hmm. A global leader in strategic change and organizational performance. I'm just going to give all your (laughs) accolades so they know how wonderful you are. She lived and worked in Germany, South America, and the U.S., and she developed an ability to hold a grounded, energetic presence. How cool is that? While facilitating challenging senior team dynamics and navigating complex issues. Clients hire Lori because she has relevant experience in both industry and consulting. And in, in 2013, this year, she founded Purpose Blue, a consulting and executive coaching business that builds conscious, mindful leaders through learning programs, retreats, and coaching. She earned her BA at the University of Maryland in speech communication, receiving top honors. Congratulations. She studied at the Presencing Institute at MIT, which I can't wait to hear about, a program for mindful leadership and social change. She completed an advanced executive coaching certification program in presence-based leadership development. She also served as the faculty for Accenture Professional Education, and she's a regular speaker at Georgetown University's International MBA program on strategy, mindful leadership, and change. Welcome, Lori Cameron. You are so great to be here. You are so cool. (laughs) I can't wait to hear about the Presencing Institute at MIT, so make sure we talk about that. But first, why don't we talk about what you do as uh, a leadership coach? Well, the core of what I do is really helping individuals when I'm doing one-on-one coaching get really grounded in in who they are and how they show up in the world. Another way of of, uh, referring to that is self-awareness. Just getting a really clear picture of their strengths and um, their talents and their gifts, which, believe it or not, not a lot of people are fully appreciative of, but also the habits and thoughts and ways of thinking that often hold us back and keep us trapped or keep us in a sense of overwhelm or an inability to make clear steps forward. So so that's what I do. I help people get a clear picture, and then I partner with my clients to create a clear vision for where they're going. So when when we're living mindfully, when you're when you're working with your clients, describe someone who is living mindfully. What is what is that all about? So someone who's living mindfully, I'll, I'll take a business leader. Um, John Mackey, he's the CEO of Whole Foods, and he is a great example of a conscious leader, a, a leader who is very mindful. And I'll, I'll, um, I can tell you a little bit about John as well as Steve Jobs, who everyone knows. Sure. He's another fabulous, mindful leader, although we miss him here. Um, these guys are, are courageous and bold and very clear about what they want to create. And they are very purpose-driven. So in the case of Whole Foods, John Mackey isn't about just delivering healthy, organic foods in a beautiful way to customers. He's about changing the way people eat. It's a, he's about educating people about 
nutrition and health and how food fuels our body. So his mission is is much bigger than the products and services he sells. And another piece of that is um, he's very conscious about how his business affects every stakeholder that touches Whole Foods. So how it affects farmers, how it affects the local merchants around his stores, how it affects his employees and customers that, that come in and shop at his stores. So he's a, he's a really great example of conscious business, and he's a great and conscious leadership, and he's a great example of how conscious business makes good business sense. Yeah. Being a mindful leader doesn't mean sitting on a, on a meditation cushion and taking time out from a busy day. Right. It means actually increasing your efficiency and increasing your focus in a positive way. And Whole Foods is a good example of how bringing mindfulness and consciousness can be profitable. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the leaders of Patagonia, Costco, Google, Apple, well, Steve Jobs I'm referring to, were very, um, very good at shutting out the noise mm-hmm. that gets in our way as leaders and individuals. Um, you mentioned that you're curious about the Presencing Institute. There's a couple of great leaders there, Atta Sharma and Peter Senge. And these guys came up, they invented the word presencing. They took the word presence to be present in the here and now, in this moment, and they combined it with the word sensing. And that's really using all of our senses to tune in to what's happening right now in the room, what's happening between the two of us, or what's happening in a shareholder meeting, or in a creative design session in the in a warehouse at, at Apple. So these guys, these leaders I'm, I'm talking about, are actually perfectly illustrative of that word presencing, because they're, they're highly tuned in to what's possible. And as Otto Sharma says, presencing is the ability to be present and sense what's emerging from the future. And I think that Steve Jobs illustrates that because he's so tuned in to his intuition and his creative ideas that he creates he creates products that society didn't even know it needed. Hmm. Yeah, how much more productive would, would businesses be if every every employee came to work with that sense of right. presence. I feel so much more present just being with you. You're you're drawing me in and I didn't sleep very well last night. So the, so I and and I think that's the way we live in this fast-paced society. We're all, you know, tuned in and we have cell phones going off and computers and iPads and yeah. And it's hard to be present. It takes work. So I, I think you're sorely needed. Now, let's talk a little bit about your background and how you came to be working in this field of uh, mindful leadership. Well, I spent the last, I spent, I'd say, the first 15 years of my career grounded in leadership and change. I started working in the early 90s with Accenture. You mentioned that, a global firm. And I really got um, deep in human development. What makes people grow? Mm-hmm. Why are some people high performers and others not? How do we unleash potential of humans? Why, why are, um, how do we get some people to um, maximize their productivity in a very focused way? And how come other people are kind of scattered and all over the map? So I've really been working in, in development and performance for a very long time. And I re- I've really enjoyed that very, very much. Um, in the last stage of, of that part of my career, I got very grounded in leadership development. And that's really about what are the core competencies that make leaders successful. 
And when we think of those competencies, we usually think of things like um, articulating a clear vision, communicating a compelling vision to the employees or stakeholders, mobilizing the workforce, inspiring people. So these competencies are very, very critical, and that's a lot of what I focused on working with Accenture and clients around the world, and then later when I was on board at uh, Williams-Sonoma and Blue Shield. But something occurred in my life, a couple of events occurred pretty close together, which actually sparked a transformation in my own life. And that's that kind of led into the mindfulness work. I love when that happens. Can you talk about it? Yeah. Um, so in 2004, in the space of four weeks, my brother suddenly died. And um, it was very unexpected. He was 37 years old and was truly a, a soulmate of mine. We often referred to one another growing up as, as twins. We told people we were twins. And uh, Johnny died, and less than four weeks later, my my daughter was born, my only child. And as you might be able to imagine, the next phase of my life, especially the next weeks and months, were really a surreal mix of, of deep pain and intense joy, sometimes hour by hour. Mm-hmm. And the gift in that was truly having a, a, a deep physiological sense of the importance of every moment in our life. Mm, sure. And at that time, I was a, a full-time working executive and um, living a very busy and stressful life, enjoying myself very much, but I was very busy. And I realized that I was missing a lot of moments of of connection and creativity and all the things that are really important to me, I wasn't really living. And I decided to change my life. And that's when I got very intentional and very purposeful about mapping out a new a new model, a new way of living. And I took the next year to sell my house, cars, we had an airplane to um, give up this dream job I had working with a great team at Blue Shield and move to Europe and slow down. And when I did that, I, got, I really became a student and practitioner of mindfulness. And I realized that that is really the, the skills and abilities that come with, with mindful living are transformative. And it, it really changed my life and unleashed capacities for joy and gratitude and creativity. I became a painter. I became an art collector. I launched Joy for the Soul. I did all, all kinds of things that were totally out of my comfort zone and in a new domain. And so I learned firsthand the power of mindfulness. You reinvented yourself. Yeah. yeah. And and I and maybe even uncovered what's always there. Mm. I believe we all have that capacity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I tell my nine-year-old daughter that she's like a lantern with a light that's always shining, but that sometimes that lantern gets covered up and with worries or fears or anxiety or busyness or chaos. And we just need to clear that lantern. Clean, and I think clean that, it off. that yeah. moved at that. So you spent many years as a consultant and and you were doing before your transformation and you now have executive coaching added what's the difference between the two consultant and and executive coaching well uh, consulting is um i still do both and and consulting is really co-creating and designing 
strategies, blueprints, roadmaps, solutions, frameworks, action plans, and so on with the client. It's usually at a large scale. I, I work at a company level or with a whole an entire executive team, and we'll create a vision, create a strategic roadmap to get there, ensuring that the, the work of the company and the culture of the company is allowing the strategy to, to be executed. Um, coaching is is very different in that coaching is is about holding a space and asking questions in the in the present moment being very tuned into the client and being very present so that the the client is pulling the answers out from within so of course i mix consulting and coaching but coaching is really about a series of ongoing conscious conversations that I have, whether they're twice a month or weekly or once a month, depending on the client, it's one-on-one. And it's really about helping the client find their own answers, which I do believe we all have. We do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're hard to get to on our own. I don't know. Right. Why is that? Why right. is that? It can well, be something so simple. And You know what? I think we, um, you know, the guys at MIT, they have a, they have a, a neat way of explaining it, I think. What keeps us from from being present? It's these voices we have in our heads, and they call them the voice of judgment, or the mm. voice of fear, or the voice of criticism. They actually, those are the ones they use. Or the voices of cynicism, I think, and they call them, you know, the VOJ, the VOC, and those voices we all know. Other people call it the inner critic, mm. and yeah. they're they're conditioned. They're conditioned patterns, and we 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 say, okay, I'll take that speaking engagement, and then the voice starts. You don't really know the content. Who do you think you are? You know, you're going to mess up. You know, we just start, that chatter starts, and then that often gets in our way. And so if I were to come to you as a client, and how would you coach me to get past some of those VOJs and VOZs? (laughs) Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that they're there. Yeah. Um, sometimes we're often we're on autopilot right. and we don't even realize how we talk to ourselves all day. So as I'm listening to my clients, I actually listen very actively and play back what I'm hearing them say. And mm. often the, the light bulb goes on it's and like, they don't even realize. Did I say that? <laughs> yeah. That, I didn't even realize that I beat myself up that way or I don't even realize yeah. that I that I kick the my knees out from under me or that I'm I'm talking myself off of taking on this big project and that happened with me yesterday did it really and a a client yeah and sometimes that awareness is enough to just yes kick it right out the door right yes and when it's not I ask questions and I say what's behind that you know why do you think that you're not enough or you're not ready to to take on that um to develop that webinar or to take on that new client. I have a design agency that I work with. I coach the CEO and the executive team. And they take on some really big clients, but sometimes they come up against their own fear that they're not they're not going to be able to deliver. And when I listen to them, I can hear that and play it back, and then I question the assumptions that are underneath what holds us back. Yeah. Well, as an actor, I uh, we're used to that kind of criticism. It comes from within, yeah. without, everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a tough one to to battle, but you know it's part of the gig. So now, when we talk about bringing mindfulness to business, are you talking about meditation or what? What does mindfulness in mean to a business? 
Can you address that? Like, yeah, it can be perceived as kind of a new agey, woo-woo California word, but it's <laughs> it's um, really, you can think of it really as about paying attention, the ability to focus the mind and pay attention on purpose, non-judgmentally. Mm, that's, that's big. That's huge. That's big. We can do a yeah. series of podcasts on non-judgmentally. Truly. <laughs> right? Truly. So um, we can actually cultivate that capacity to train ourselves to pay attention in, a, in the moment and suspend judgment. And that, again, is the presencing work, which is which is when we work in presencing, we both I work with individuals and we work with big groups for major social change efforts. But we help people drop away the judgment that um, we hold about other groups in an organization. If you bring sales, marketing and finance together, the finance people automatically come in with stereotypes and assumptions about the marketing people. Oh no, they're here to spend money. Oh my, we can't afford this. This mm-hmm. is what's this going to get? Us? Is there any return on investment? The marketing people hold the same about the finance. Oh gosh, here comes the bean counters. They're going to block us. They're not creative. They don't get what we're saying. So we all come in with judgments, and it's sort of how we're wired and how we're conditioned. And part of mindfulness is learning how to recognize those and suspend them. Because when we can let go of judgment, we really unleash our ability to be creative. Hmm. Imagine a finance person and a marketing person truly connecting and creating something exciting. Yeah, that it would is be possible. Cool. <laughs> yeah, because we all have right and left sides of our brains. We're just some of us use one or the other, and yeah. in in more. So that's part of mindfulness. Um, how it connects to meditation. Meditation is a, is a formal practice of mindfulness, and it's great. And for some people, that means 10 or 20 minutes in the morning on the cushion and getting really still and using a mantra or just following their breath. That's a formal meditation practice, which I, I liken that to going to the gym, mm-hmm. and I think it's great. Such a discipline. Such it's, a discipline. Yeah, it's taking the mind to the gym and building muscles and when we do that, when we do the formal practice of meditation, when we're in the heat of the moment, we have those muscles. So we can draw on that capacity. Isn't that true? I just, I, and some, I go in and out of meditation and, you know, I'll be disciplined for a while. And, yeah. and my life is so much more smooth when, yeah. when I'm in a good, I'm a little bit out of it now. So thank you for coming in today because I'm sure you'll inspire <laughs> me to get over. back. But, so, you know, I just wanted to mention the other thing about, so meditation is the formal practice, but... Right. You don't have to do that. For some people, they just that's not for them. And mindfulness is also can also be an informal practice. It oh. can be something that you do while you're washing your hands. It can be and I'll, I'll explain that. So what is mindfulness hand washing? It's paying attention to how the water feels on your hand, smelling the soap, watching your hands as they rub each other and become clean. Um, it could be mindful eating, really tasting the food smelling it, thinking about where the food came from, which farmers had a role in bringing this to your to your plate. So mindfulness can be something we integrate throughout our whole day. It doesn't have to be meditation. Okay. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So it's just engaging all of our senses in life and really being in the moment Yeah, and enjoy. I mean... Yeah. It helps it, us enjoy. It's a doorway... Yeah to more enjoyment. I love that. So how does all of this help for leaders to become more successful? 
would you say? Well, I think, um, you know, part of it is, well, there's both the conditions in which leaders operate, which is, as you mentioned, is 24-7, chaotic, rapid change. There's, it's a very complex environment now. It's so different than when I started, uh, not to, to date myself, but when I started, I was not constantly um, being pinged. Right now, as I sit with you in the studio, I'm sure I've received 15 emails, oh, yeah. three texts, two Facebook messages, and and a couple messages on LinkedIn. And leaders, leaders in the in the distant, I mean, in the in the near past, didn't have that. Right. So it's a really different world. If leaders can develop the capacity to focus while they're constantly being barraged, it enormously increases their ability to be productive. So that's kind of one piece. But the other piece is leaders today need the ability to be creative and innovative because the world is so complex. And the other, pe- the other competency that they need is the ability to be collaborative with partners and um, alliances and uh, global leaders that they're working with and maybe on their own team or um, vendors and customers and and other stakeholders. So because the world is global and it's complex, we need to be able to suspend our judgment about what we think about other people. That's huge. What we think about the Italian across the table or the German or the Brazilian. I'm mentioning some of the countries of where I've lived and I've learned a lot about the, the different values of these different countries and how we bring all of that into the meeting room. And it actually blocks us from getting work done. It blocks us from coming up with strategic partnerships or creative deals. So when we can clear all that out of the way and truly come with clarity and and clear intentions into our business partnerships and our creative design sessions, we can really accelerate our our road to performance. And we can create peace on earth. You know what? <laughs> Which I'm all about. So, absolutely. Yeah. And you know the guy. Uh, there's a great guy at Google who brought all this work to Google, and he, they have a program called Search Inside Yourself, which has been going on for I don't know maybe three or four years now, and now they've they've launched a um, an an effort outside of Google to bring this, and this guy's mission is peace on earth. You just said that, and when he first told people that. They said, "What? You know, you're you're I teaching work with him. You should. Yeah, you're teaching mindfulness and emotional intelligence, and your mission is peace on earth." And he said, "Hey, it starts with the individual. One by one, we're going to create peace inside each person, and then it's gonna it's gonna roll." Well, that's the goal of my podcast. Wow! So here we are. And you just you just <laughs> helped me to become so present that I realized that. Well, okay, so talk about how this leads to success. I mean, you, we create this mindful, and you gave Whole Foods as an example. Um, are there other examples of businesses that might be mindful businesses that are well, successful? <laughs> you know, I think um, some other companies that are practicing this are um, Facebook. Um, they're doing a lot of work with bringing mindfulness to, to business um, there's an there's a number of engineering firms. I actually know of two energy companies, and these are not companies that you think of as new agey or um, working in the wellness space. These are 
these are cutting edge design and and engineering firms. Right. Facebook is a is a cutting edge firm in social media, but um, these are companies that are working with leaders to help them develop the ability to return to a centered place when life is chaotic. So that that there's been a lot of research which shows how that connects to to success, whether you want to measure that with profitability or growth. Um, Google actually has a number of examples of how mindfulness has has helped in sales, has has actually helped people recognize what's going on when they've when they're kind of gripped with fear in the sales process. They're afraid to extend themselves and they actually can cut through that and courageously talk about the service or product that they're selling. So there, it really can, it really cuts across any any function or department. It cuts across all all industries, and that's the exciting thing. It's really just a it's just the the ability to to impact the quality of our mind. Do you see companies that are not embracing some of some of these principles falling away in the future? Is this sort of what we have to do to exist? Um, as a business? Well, I think so. And I, I think we can think of companies that have fallen away already. Um, if we even think of companies that aren't operating ethically, they're not operating from clarity on their values and being conscious of what's driving them. So part of being a conscious leader or a mindful leader is being really clear about what's, what's informing your choices. So leaders make choices all day long, right. and are they inform? Are they driven by profit? Are they driven by recognition or fame in the marketplace? Are they driven by? Sometimes as individuals, we're driven by pleasing others. We're driven by seeking approval. We're driven by um, avoiding uncertainty or ambiguity. So a lot of people make safe choices. Instead of uh, taking on a, a bold new client or a new project, I'm going to stay in my safe place. So when, when some companies stay safe, they, they, they get eliminated. Hmm. They and, lose the ability to innovate. Well, in all of those examples of um, directives, I guess, none of them were coming from a core heart-driven value system, right? No. right? So... It, yeah. it seems like those are the ones that are, well, in my world, anyway, those are the ones that will be successful. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, it's, That's my it's, world. It's it's really true. And um, there's a lot of great work now in the leadership area that that I'm so th- I'm so thankful that the word heart has brought into the leadership development area. Yeah, it's so heart centered, cool. values based, conscious leaders creating meaning for value for all stakeholders. That's actually okay to say now in business. How cool is that? That's <laughs> yeah. so cool. That's a, that's a game changer. So this <laughs> podcast is called Happy, Healthy You. What more can we do to live happier, healthier, more whole, conscious, mindful lives? You know, I think um, for me, uh, what works for me and, and a, lot of, a lot of people that I know, both colleagues and clients and, and spiritual teachers and other teachers that I have, is creating a structure for my life where I know that I've got certain practices which keep me balanced. Mm -hmm. And um, I can just talk about my own, for example. Um, I know that when I 
well, for me, when I wake up in the morning, I do a couple of things. I, I, I do mindfulness meditation, and I actually do a really nice centering, grounding practice for myself. And I really just come into my body and do kind of a body scan and, and get really grounded and set my intention for the day. I even just gently and quickly kind of go through my day and imagine the best outcome at for each part of my day, which sort of just sets a really nice tone. I don't wake up stressed and panicky and saying, oh my gosh, I got such a full plate. But actually, I intentionally set up a good a good um, path in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of a mindfulness piece. Um, and then for my body, I do I do yoga in the morning, and that really um, gets me out of my head and into my body, which I think is really critical for mindful living and mm. being integrated. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I I try I work with a holistic health coach, and um, I've made a lot of great changes in in my healthful eating and my family's. But one thing I do is make a green smoothie every day for my family. I so, love green smoothies. Yeah. And my I'm daughter doesn't taste the spinach and the kale. She loves the wild blueberries and the it. other things right. in there. But um, I'm just I'm just giving examples that work for me. I think mm-hmm. we're all really different. Um, I'm also a swimmer, so I try to swim a mile a day when I can. And that's a process that really integrates the mind, the body, and the spirit. For me, it's sort of meditative. Also right and left brain. Did you mm-hmm. know that? The crawl stroke. When you oh, I didn't know that. Because you, you, you're using both sides nice. of your body in, you know, in the equal amounts. So, so yeah. I think... I'm a swimmer, um, too. You know, there's a lot of great, very balanced and successful people that come up with practices. And whether it's it's meditation, whether it's walking meditation or walking in the woods or yoga or running or um, how they ensure that they get a right balance of nutrition. Um, journaling is another thing I love to do that really allows me to get clear on my thoughts mm. and what I want to do. So I think the key is to come up with your own set of practices and commit to them. Yeah. And, it doesn't and have to be a long, no. long amount of time. But no, just it doesn't. every day, yes. that, that commitment. And that creates structure. And within structure is freedom. freedom. Right. Isn't that true? (laughs) Okay. I love that. You're obviously very passionate about what you do. What's the most satisfying thing about your work? Well, I I get so much gratification from seeing the shifts in my clients. Yesterday, I had a great a great session with this this woman who is so inspiring to me. Every time I coach her, I walk away inspired. And the same thing happened yesterday. But yesterday she stopped me and she said, you know, I got to tell you, we've been working together for six months. And, you know, I have launched two new big projects, a film and, and another big piece. And you've really helped me think about using my voice, being clear about what I want in the world, extending myself with courage, and working with my stakeholders, being very clear about who my key stakeholders are, how do I align them around my cause? How do I how do I engage them? How do I move everyone forward and and really create the outcomes that I want, which for in her case was launching this new film. And um, it was so gratifying to me. I I just yeah, it just made my day. I'm still floating on it. And I, I had another great session this morning, early this morning, with a client in uh, Europe. Again, I got this wonderful feedback as the client is developing the capacity to reflect on their own growth. So I'm not about creating a codependent relationship. Right. 
but really cultivating the capacity in my client for their own growth and their their own ability to to create the life they want. That's so beautiful. So, Lori, if somebody's interested in working with you, how would they find you? Um, they can find me on my website, www.lauriejcameron.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E-J-C-A-M-E-R-O-N. And um, through my website, there is a contact page, and they can also sign up for my newsletter, which will be launching in September. And that'll be leadership, mindful leadership insights and tips and practices that will be delivered right to their inbox. Oh, and that's they can exciting. Learn more. Do you plan on having webinars in the future? Or uh, yes, like I'm that? collaborating with a fantastic guy in LA. He's he's a brilliant leader in conscious leadership. And we're designing a webinar now that we're going to offer for free. And that's going to really be the intro to an online program that we're going to we're co-developing. That's exciting. Seems to be the way things are going now. Yeah. Well, Lori Cameron, thank you so much. I feel more present just speaking with you and happier and healthier as well. So.